You guys may take your seats. Thank you guys again for for coming and being here. If you joined us during the middle of worship, uh, today we have got a special special guest speaker here uh, via technology, via video. I love I love technology. We want to have him and his wife come in person, and we believe those days will happen in the future. But the coolest, next best thing is for them to share heart with them, us as a church uh, through technology. And so today, if you don't know who's who we have, man, you're in for a real treat. We have Matt Beamer, all right? Matt Beamer, Matt and his wife, Julie, are the founders and the directors of an organization called Club 1040, and they are really reaching uh, the unreached people groups uh, in the 1040 window. And if you don't know what that is, you, they'll explain that in the video there. But uh, a lot of a lot of ministry in the Middle East to to Muslims and different peoples and cultures of faith. And uh, they they lead this global kind of missionary relational missionary movement. You'll hear more about it. Um, the cool thing is he he shot this uh, message in this video for us right in the center of Beirut, Lebanon right in front of the Grand Mosque, all right? So pretty pretty cool backdrop. You can see the cars honking and all of that. There's, there's just, it's a cool video. And uh, he's going to be sharing heart, not only what, what our partnership has been doing uh, with Alive and, and 1040, but also uh, he's got a word that I, I really believe that is a word in season for us as a church that we can lean into as the local church and how we're called on mission to do our part so that they can keep doing their part, amen? And so I believe God's going to stir us up and speak to us and encourage us, and I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. And so I, if he was here, we would bring him up on stage, and I would say, let's give him a warm, alive family church welcome. But he is here in spirit, and he is here in video. So alive family church, let me hear you put your hands together for our guest speaker. Come on now, Mr. Matt Beamer, all the way from Beirut, Lebanon. Matt, thank you for sewing into our church, and would you guys turn your attentions to the screen? Thank you, Pastors Eric and Erica, for the privilege of being able to share with you this morning. You know, Alive Family Church, this is the third session of your Love Thy Neighbor series. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about loving your neighbor both locally and globally. But importantly, we're going to talk about how you fit in finishing God's task to reach the unreached of this world. I'm coming to you from here in Beirut, Lebanon. My name is Matt Beamer, and I am the founder and director of Club 1040. Club 1040, as you can see here, is a, uh, an organization that you are a vital part of. We believe everything that God does, he does through relationships. So our mission statement is that we are a relational missionary movement reaching the unreached. So you in relationship with the Alive Family Church and Pastors Eric and Erica, and a live family church in relationship with Club 1040 gets God's will done in the earth. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. How do you fit in God's plan and how do we work together to finish his task in the earth? So what have you already accomplished? You may not realize this, but you've been hard at work with you connecting with a live family church with your time, your resources. Um, and Alive Family Church connecting with Club 1040, over these last few years, you've helped to minister to more than 6 million people in 4,500 live services, in-person services, never mind the millions that have been reached through media. You've helped to establish and plant more than 100 churches. You've helped to mobilize more than 700 missionaries. 
you've seen literally thousands of leaders trained across 11 different Bible colleges. That's just some of the incredible work that you've done. And uh, as we go through this morning, we may share a little bit more about that. But I want to say, first of all, thank you for all that you have done. But, you know, those numbers are big numbers. But sometimes it just helps to hear from maybe one person's story that you've helped to make a difference in. So I want to introduce you to Rafi. Rafi's story is one that you're going to love. And I, got, I have two reasons why I want. In fact, actually, Rafi's here. Come on, Rafi. He's helping us with this morning's message. Here's Rafi, everybody. You've had a big part in Rafi's life. And so uh, check out his story. My name is Rafi. I'm from Lebanon. My job is taxi driver. From the first minute that I meet the Hatabos, Jesus, he planned how I meet them and what I do, do with them. The company that I called knew that they needed to send an English speaker, so they sent Rafi. One of the things I love to do is ask people questions when I'm in a new place, and so I began asking questions, and Rafi was free with his time and was able to explain things to me in a way that I could understand. And so one time I called Matt to say to him that I'm down. I arrived. He didn't listen to me. So I decide to go out of the church. I go and I open the door. Oh my God, dancing, clapping, singing in the church. I know in the church everybody is quiet, only the priest is speaking and you must listen. So we were with a mission team in the Bekaa Valley, and uh, the church where we were ministering, we had invited several of the people in the village individually to come. A young man approached him and asked Rafi, hey, will you pray for my mother? And Rafi just turned to uh, one of our American team and said, hey, will you pray for this boy's mother? Of course, uh, the team member said, Rafi, you pray. I don't know how to pray. Please, you pray. Said, he said to me, you don't know to speak with Jesus? I said, yes, I know speak with Jesus, of course. He said, okay, what he wants you so? So speak with the Jesus and tell him. I said, Jesus help Yusuf for his mother to come good because she can't walk and amen. So I do like this. Oh my God, Yusuf and his mother, how she is walking. Ah. So automatically, I pray for Jesus, and Yusuf's mother healed. Everyone in the church are very quiet, and Joel is waiting there. I said, hey, Joel, Joel, I'm shouting. Yes, Yusuf, Yusuf and his mother. He said, yes, we did it. <laughs> so at that time, something changed in, in inside me. I don't know at that time what, what was, but I know that was the Holy Spirit now. I want to pray. I want to thank God. I talk with him and he talk with me also. I'm friend with, with Jesus now. And from a taxi driver in a road, I am now the first member of God Church in Beirut. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a great story? You've helped to make that happen. And there's a couple reasons why I wanted you to hear that story, because not only have you impacted Rafi's life, but you've impacted thousands like him. 
And I want you to know that when we talk these numbers, it's not just these massive numbers, but it's real people's lives being changed. You're doing that. And I want to say thank you. And God thanks you for that. But also, I'm hoping that his story inspires you today as well. Because Rafi didn't know anything about the word or about his relationship with the Lord, really. Yet he just simply was willing to pray a simple prayer and God used him to bring healing to that woman's life. And my hope is, is that will inspire you to step out and do things that you don't think you can do. And today we're going to talk about how that's important to fulfilling God's purpose for a live family church and finishing the task that God has for us. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to John's gospel, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to go ahead and read that, John chapter 4. And if you would look at verses 34 and 35, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of what you are doing through a live family church. We're excited for what you've called pastors Eric and Erica to carry the vision, the purpose. And we thank you for all that you've brought alongside into relationship with the vision carriers, the pastors there. And we believe that this message will help to support that, help to inspire that, help to encourage that. And as a result of this message, not only will lives be impacted, but through the people who hear this message, they'll find their fit in your finished task. We thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So John chapter four, and we're going to get stuck in. I'm reading from the new international version and it says, Jesus is speaking and he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me into, and this is important, and to finish his work. My will finish work. My will finish work. And then I want you to see the next verse. It says, don't you have a saying that says it's still four months into harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And I think we've heard this scripture before. So don't tune out on me. But I want you to see something very important. I want you to hear the words, my will, uh, finished work, and then harvest. And I want you to see that Jesus connects his will with a finished work, and he connects a finished work with harvest. And this isn't the only scripture. Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 39, he says, the harvest is the end of the age. He wants a finished work. Their harvest is connected to the end of something, the end of the church age. Um, in Mark's gospel, the 13th chapter in the 10th verse, um, Jesus says, he says, we must first, he's talking about the harvest producing the end of all things. And he says, well, we must first preach this gospel or publish this gospel to all nations. So in those two verses, actually all three of them, we see harvest and, and connected with the finishing. Finishing is connected to harvest. And then, um, James chapter 5, one of Jesus' disciples, he is echoing that same thing to the church. We're seeing a pattern here. In James chapter 5 and verse 7, in fact, let's go ahead and turn on our Bibles and read that one as well. James 5 and verse 7 says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits. What is he waiting for? It says he's waiting for the land to yield 
its valuable crop. So Jesus, the end of all things, Jesus is waiting for the harvest of souls. It's important to understand that he doesn't want that task to, some people call it the great omission. Uh, no, it's the great commission, commanded mission. And that commanded mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all people. But that's also connected to the finished work of Jesus. The thing that he started 2,000 years ago has not been finished. And he gave it to the church who has the ministry of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible says, I've committed unto you the ministry of reconciliation. It's the church's job to go forth and to reap the harvest. And when we do, that harvest is connected to the finishing of the task. So in any task... Having a clearly defined finish line is vitally important to know when you finish. If you're running a race and you don't know when the finish line is, you don't know when you've actually reached the end of the race. And so we're running this race called the Great Commission as a church, and we're running it together. You in relationship with your church, God's called you to support that church. And, uh, and then the church in, re in relationship with Club 1040, God's called uh, Live Family Church and Club 1040 to work together. And through those relationships, God's fulfilling the purpose that he wants to accomplish in the earth. But how do we know when we finish? Well, thankfully, the Bible tells us harvest is a finish line. And one of the clearest verses is one of my favorite verses, and that's Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. And let's take a moment. You may be watching on your phone there and uh, don't detach from the message, but write it down and look at it later. Or if you have a paper Bible, a hard, you know, what's that? A real Bible, pick it up and look at it. Open your Bible to Matthew's gospel, the 24th chapter, and let's read the 14th verse. The sign of the end is when this gospel of the kingdom is preached throughout all the world as it witness unto all nations. And that's the Greek word, Greek word, ta ethne, all nations. He says, and then the end shall come. That means this one thing, the gospel going to all nations, ethne, what does that sound like? Ethne. Yeah, exactly. Ethnic groups. This gospel goes to all ethnic groups, all tribes, all tongues, and then the end shall come. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that. So what, how has the progress been? How have we done with that? Check this out. And Jesus said the gospel must go to all of those unreached people groups. So what do we do? We focus on that part of the world because that's where 95% of them live. But actually, the church is using less than 3% of its missionaries to go to that area. We're changing that in Jesus' name in this generation. Plus, we can do it right here at home. Immigrants, refugees, international students, they come from these unreached people groups to America. And we can reach them right here in the supermarket markets. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all ethnic, all people groups. He says, and then I can come back. So how are we doing with the progress of the gospel up to now? There's a resource I want to introduce you to. It's joshuaproject.net. Not .com, but .net. A great resource. You can get the mobile app, and it can give you uh, unreached people group prayer information of the day. It can give you all the statistics you want. And in that uh, 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 resource, 
they actually um, have looked at the world and classified it into three categories. The first category is the Christian category. That's the C world, the Christian. C for Christian, that's the green part of the world. And then the B part of the world is that yellow part of the world. That's where people have access to the gospel, but so few people believe, like in Europe. And then the A part, that's the A focus. Our primary focus is that red part of the world where less than 2% of the people uh, are in any of those groups, the, the unreached people groups in that area. That's our focus. Now that's absolutely an oversimplification of it. The real story is much more detailed. But what I want you to see is this, is that as we look at that A part of the world, that's our focus. And if we focus on that right now, then we can make this generation, we can bring closure to the Great Commission. We can finish the task that Jesus gave us to, to do. In fact, these people, as we said, have no access to the gospel. But how much of our missionary resources go there? Only 3% of our people? And how much of our money? Only 1% of our money. Here's a crazy thought. Actually, American believers spend more on their Halloween costumes every year for their pets than goes to that part of the world to reach these people for Jesus. Harvest equals finished work. The finish line is clearly defined by us going to all nations. So how does that happen? Let's look at Romans chapter 15 for a minute and we can learn from Paul some principles that maybe we need to also exercise or do so that we can fulfill our plan and God's purpose of finishing his work today. So in Romans 15, Paul says something very interesting. He's talking to the Christians at Rome and he says, the reason I have not come to you or been much hindered from coming to you is because my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Or in other words, to go places where the gospel had not yet been preached. So think about that for a second. That means Paul knew where the gospel had been preached and where it hadn't. He knew the progress of the gospel in his day. Secondly, he prioritized himself, his life, his time, his resources. He said, I'm not coming to you believers because I need to go to these other places. But then there's something super exciting as well. Not only did he know the progress of the gospel, not only did he prioritize his time accordingly, but he also, in his day, he says something, he says this. However, now that the gospel has been fully preached in this region and all around about, he says, from Jerusalem all the way to Elycrium and all the region round about, and having nowhere else to preach in these parts, now I can come to you believers. So think about that. Paul in his day was seeing the gospel reached and finished in his time. Paul, another place in Acts 19, it says, Paul went to Ephesus, found some disciples there, spent a couple years, did a little bit of a Bible college there. It says he disputed daily in the school of Tyrannus, so that in the space of two years, all of Asia heard the gospel. So Paul finished his work, but Paul was seeing his work finished before his very eyes. And if he could do that in his day, how much more could we do it in ours? And there's reasons why the church did not fall, finish the, the race. In fact, missiologists, people who study missions say that if the early church would have continued the same apostolic zeal that the first generation of apostles had, 
into the second and third generation, they would have completed the Great Commission. But what happened? They got their eyes off of the harvest field. They started to look, you know, they started to prosper financially and they started to look on material things. They stopped praying like they used to. They stopped reaching out like they used to. And as a result, they started arguing amongst themselves about doctrine. And as a result, the church went into 1,500 years of what's called the Dark Ages where almost no gospel presence was known throughout the world. And then the church had to be reformed, and then eventually, in the last 150, 200 years, more's happened with the gospel than in the previous 1,800 years. We are living in the very knife edge of God's plan in these days, and just like the early church, like the Apostle Paul, where he said, I don't have anywhere else to preach because the gospel has been fully preached in my region. There are places today where the gospel has been fully preached. But there's also 3 billion people today who do not know the name of Jesus. And so we want to make sure we're doing our part to reach those people. And so we see the finished work is connected to harvest. And we also see the finish line is clearly defined as reaching all ethnic groups, all tribes, all nations in a generation. And we see Paul in order to do to finish his part in God's plan, he had to understand the progress of the gospel in his day, and he also had to prioritize himself that way. But there's another part that Paul did. He also looked at the harvest with the eyes of faith. And he says this in that same chapter of Romans 15. He says, he says, those who have not seen, they will see. Those who have not heard, they will hear. And what he was doing was quoting an Old Covenant, Old Testament scripture that he based his life on. So what I want you to see is this, is he saw the harvest as a finished work. Jesus has called us to a finished work, but Paul saw with the eye of faith and saw it as finished. And that's what I want us to do as well. So there's the practical side of understanding the facts of the progress of the gospel today, and then prioritizing our time, our resources, etc., towards that calling. But then there's also the faith element of seeing what God said would happen shall happen. And we can be that generation that sees it come to pass. So then let's bring it down to where we are today. Three things. Give, pray, and serve. GPS. Three things that you can do. So most people think, you know, when they ask me, what's the number one thing I can do? Most people go to the point of, well, to help missionaries, the best way to help them is to give. And of course, churches need people to tithe and church missionaries need people to give. However, prayer is just as important. There's been times when I've been going through um, you know, checkpoints in restricted areas and, um, you know, God provided a miraculous way through those checkpoints. We should have been turned back, but somehow God provided a, 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 like a supernatural way of escape. And we went through those checkpoints and we even had favor. And then later on, I find out I'm contacted by somebody and they say, even around the world in a different time zone, they said, what were you doing at this time? I was awakened to pray for you. And when I look at the time zones, it was exactly when we were going through that checkpoint. So I, I, we, we, we desperately need the, the body of Christ to pray out God's plan in order for us to fulfill God's purpose to reach the loss. But also, 
I think, and it's something you may not hear, I don't think money is the number one way to support missions and missionaries. I don't think prayer is the number one way. I believe with all my heart that serving in your local church is the number one way to help missionaries fulfill God's plan on their life. And so I found out when I was pastoring, we pioneered a church in England and, and where over a thousand Muslims were born again in that church over the space of 10 years. And as we were pioneering that church, I, you know, it was the first church I ever pastored. And, and as I was pastoring it, I found out that my job was to help people that God has brought into my sphere of influence as a pastor to discover why he brought them into, into the church. Because if he brought them into the church, there's something on the inside of them that needed to come out and come to bear on the vision of the house through service. There's a gift, a grace in them that the church needed in order to finish and fulfill what God had called our church to do. So in the same way, um, God, if you, God's connected you to a live family church, there's something on the inside of you that needs to come out of you in order to be used for the fulfillment of God's plan for a live family church. And if you hold that back and bury that treasure, that, that gift, that grace in the ground and don't use it, then the church suffers and it does, it is not able to finish its, its, its task. So there's four questions I want you to ask to discover what it is that is your fit, your place in a live family church. The first question I want you to ask is, what do you love doing? That's an easy one. What comes so easy to you that other people go to you and say, man, how do you do that? And you're like, do what? Doesn't everybody do that easy? And you're like, no, no, I, I don't know how you do it. You just make it look easy. What is that thing? That's kind of a little bit of a signpost on discovering the treasure of the grace that God has given you to carry for a live family church. And then the opposite is true too. The opposite is, is what do you not like doing? I remember some pastors told me one time they went to a church and on the door greeting people as they came into church, there was a man that had uh, surgical gloves on because he didn't like touching people. Can you imagine that? And so here's the thing. He's in the wrong place. So what do you love doing? What comes easy to do? Number two, what do you not like doing? That's almost just as important to discover the signposts on the way to discovering that treasure on the inside to help you finish your purpose and help a live family church fulfill, it, fulfill its task as well. The third question is really important. What do you see? You know, a lot of times I've learned over the years as a pastor and a leader that people come in and out of churches and I hear them say things like this. They say, you know, people that are members of the church, they'll say, someone should do something about, and then they'll name an issue. And then maybe a little later, they'll come to me and say, you know, really, you should do something about that in the name and issue. And what I learned early on is, is if they see it, it's probably because they have the grace to meet that need. And so if you see something that you think needs to be changed, maybe that is a signpost towards you helping fulfill a need in the body and serve in some way. And then the fourth thing is, is what do your leaders say? So what comes easy? What do you not like to do? What do you see? And what do your leaders say? And by that, I mean a couple things. One is, is you take what you see and you bring it to your leaders and you submit it to them and say, this is what I'm seeing. What do you say about that? But also, you can also do this just on, you know, even watching this morning and, and your pastor gets up and says something and you hear from their heart out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You hear your pastor's heart and, and you hear something they say, and they may not be saying it to you specifically, but you're like, 
I heard that, and I did not just hear it with my ears. I heard it in my heart, and I can do something about what I just heard. I'm going to respond to that thing I just heard. So four things that you want to ask yourself. What comes easy to you? What do you love doing? Number two, what don't you like doing? Number three, what do you see? And here's an important point on that one. If you're not careful, what you see can become a burden and drive a wedge between you and the place God's called you to be. Sometimes people, what they see, they're like, why hasn't someone done something about that? Why hasn't done some, somebody done something about that? And in the end, what happens is they get upset and they leave the church because nobody did anything about it when actually they probably were the one to meet that need. So what do you see? Respond to what you see in the right way by bringing what you see to your leaders and asking, what do you say about what I see? And it may not be the right time for you to do something about that, but now that your leader knows what you see, maybe they can pray into that and when the time's right that you can be a part of that solution. And then also listen to what they say, just generally speaking, because that can be a signpost towards what God's called you to do. If God's called you to a live family church, there's a reason for it. And one of the things your pastors have been saying is serve day is coming up. So connect with serve day. They'll tell you more about how to do that. So it's been a privilege to be with you this morning. What have we talked about? We talked about the fact that Harvest is connected to finishing the task that God has given the church to do. And the finish line of finishing the task on a global scale is reaching every nation and every people group. And by you doing your part in the local house, it helps us do our part out here, reaching the unreached. And then we saw that we need to understand the progress of the gospel like Paul did, prioritize ourselves in that so that we're putting unreached people in the needs of those of the lost first and then we need to see the work finished through the eyes of faith. And then find a place to GPS, give, pray, and serve. Every believer should be giving, praying, and serving. And serving is the number one way to reach not only your world and finish the task for a live family church, but also to help us. I need you to do your part locally so that we can do our part globally. God bless you. Thank you so much. Have an amazing, amazing day. Amen. Right? Is it was that encouraging or not? Man, I get so stirred up to see like again, you hear about hey, we support this mission or whatever. It was cool to hear it and see it and kind of tangibly like interact with it. Amen. Like what we're doing here at Alive matters for for missionaries and, and movements all over the world. And I loved it. I loved how we put the the ball kind of back in our court in a good way. We've been talking about that this month. Like love your neighbor. Right? And we can love neighbors across the pond and across the world by loving our neighbor, by fulfilling the, the plan and the will that God has for us as a live family church and all of us connected to the mission and the vision. It's a beautiful thing. God, God's smart. He knows how to build this church. Amen. And he wants all to come to the saving knowledge of him. He doesn't want any to perish, all to come to salvation. Amen. And our work's not finished yet, but I, that was such a good word. God's will is a finished work. The finished work equals harvest. The harvest outside our doors is ripe. The harvest over there is ripe. Lord, send forth laborers. Who are the laborers? Us. The Lord's been really ministering to me in this vein. It's been, wow, we, we get to do something. We're alive in the world for such a time as this. Like more has been done for the gospel in the last 150, 200 years than all the previous 1800. Isn't that incredible? Like, and we're a part of that age right now. 
We're ushering in the return of Jesus based on what we do on a daily basis and how we love, how we serve, and how we give. Man, I, I think that's just so powerful and so on point. And that's why we wanted to invite Matt in. Matt, thank you again if you're tuning in or watching or, or listening over there. It's it's afternoon, almost dinner time, probably over there right now. Uh, but thank you so much for, for speaking and sowing a word into our body, into our church. And, and we're committed. We're committed to Life Family Church, aren't we? That we'll continue to do our part. We'll continue to run our race so you guys can do what you guys do. Thank you so much for you. And let's let's just close in prayer today uh, for the Lord to stir our hearts and also for us to respond if, if the Lord leads us in any way. Father, we thank you so much that we're a part of the big C church, the global church, the bride of Christ, the one that you're building, the one that you're coming back for, and the one that you've made it crystal clear in your scripture of how your return comes and what must happen before you come back. And so, Lord, we know that the harvest is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. And Father God, we thank you for sending out laborers like Matt and his wife, Julie, and his missionary movement team and all the people that are connected with Club 1040 and running the Bible schools and doing the ministries and pastoring uh, Go Church Beirut and, and all of the leaders Lord, that we get to play a small part of, Father God. We thank you that you to grace them and anoint them, Father, help them fulfill the call and the mission on them. But Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of a local body. No one can out-local the local church. We're called in our community for such a time as this, not to just attend a bunch of services, feel good, leave, and go on with our comfortable taking care of lives. No, we're, we're called to make a dent for eternity in our neighbor's life, in our coworker's life in the grocery store attendance life, in the people that you placed in our sphere of influence. You call us to love our neighbor, to love you, Lord, and to love our neighbor. You make it very simple. And so, Father God, awaken our hearts, uh, come alive in our spirits as a church body, Lord, to see beyond the four walls of a church gathering and to see the hearts of the people that you've called us to reach, to say hello to, to minister, to love on, Father God. We thank you for it. We thank you for a great opportunity as Serve Day is just a few weeks away. We've got so many different Serve projects that we can all be a part of. We ask you to go before us and prepare the way, prepare the hearts of the people that will be blessed by it. And we thank you, Lord, for tangible uh, tangible results so that we can see, even with our own eyes, Lord God, people being blessed and people being served, Lord, and giving of our time and our talents to love our neighbor. Father, we thank you for just the opportunity. And you modeled it for us, Lord. You never ask us to do anything that you wouldn't do or haven't already done yourself. And you so love the world, Father, that you gave your one and only son to give everything of his life, to, to, to pray for us, that he sits at your right hand in heaven and intercedes for the saints. He, he prays for us. And, and Lord, he, he serves. Jesus didn't come to be that all that in a bag of chips and have people serve him he came to serve others and you've called us to follow in his work and ministry and so father i thank you just right now anywhere in this room anybody tuning in online or watching if you're here this morning you're tuning in and watching this later during the week at your own convenience and you don't know jesus personally you've never made a personal relationship with Jesus a priority in your life. You never called on the name of the Lord to be saved, as it says in the Bible. You can do that this morning. You can get Jesus on the inside of you. You can become a child of God this morning. You can connect with the, the plan and mission that God has for your life and how it plays a part in the local church and the global church this morning, simply by believing in your heart 
and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God did raise him from the dead. So with every head bowed, every eye closed here in person, and if you wouldn't move around and just reverence this moment, those of you guys tuning in online, you're here today and you want to be included in this prayer that we're about to pray to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior or maybe to recommit your life to God and just re-up that commitment. I'm not gonna call you up or embarrass you or call you out. I just wanna know who I can link my faith up with this morning that might wanna just put Jesus in his proper place. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand real high for me and online just acknowledge this in your heart and know that God hears you, he sees you, praise God. And what we're gonna do, we're just gonna pray a family prayer together. I want everybody to just repeat this after me and know that God hears you. He's gonna come into your heart and do a fresh work. Say this, say, Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Come into my heart, change my life, and help me live a life committed to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. So be it. God bless you. God bless the Beamers. Thank you guys so much for serving and sewing in. And I'm going to bring uh, Pastor Erica up to kind of give you guys some closing notes. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.